Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Osman Callas, thank you very much for joining me. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Could I ask you, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Sure. So I am the Managing Director of the Block Venture Studio, which is the newly created arm of the Block Dojo Global Blockchain Incubator. My job is to work with corporate partners who really, really, really want to innovate and have a a limited understanding of the, the different technology domains that they could be taking an interest in, they should be taking an interest in, but not the expertise to be able to delve deeply. And we help corporates who want to innovate to look at how they can leverage the capabilities of blockchain in their innovation efforts. So the best way to see the Venture Studio is almost like an outsourced innovation arm. I'd love to know, how did you get there? Because you went from a regular job at Credit Suisse into starting two businesses in fintech and then on to cryptocurrency trading. Then you've got the Block Dojo Incubator and now you've started the Venture Studio and you're building building and then selling these startups. And I love the fact that you've got a background in languages as well, me too. Yeah. Linguistics degree yes. from SOAS, right? They don't That's give them right. out for free, right? So you, you built <laughs> this true. career with technology as a function and evidently you're a strong tech leader. So I'd love to hear your take on well your story but how you got there but then also mm. is there something different about managing entrepreneurs because you have to do that through the the incubator and technologists so what's that so my my bridge into the blockchain space was when i was as you mentioned the the, the two companies that i i set up uh working independently essentially once I left the financial services industry, one of the activities that I was doing was financial analysis for high net worth clients. One of them simply asked me one day, hey, what's this Bitcoin thing? And should I be getting involved? And I was stumped. So that kicked off a whole raft of research activities. I fell down a rabbit hole and yeah, I've, I've never resurfaced. Yeah, once I've recognised the what this, this the uniqueness and the uh, the opportunity in terms of being able to develop products and services which use that. Next thing for me was to incorporate that into what I'd already committed to, which was the the, the, the fintech uh, initiatives. Um, but then, some, some as life does, you know, it's. Uh, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? Um, and so <laughs> it's a horrible, horrible phrase, but so, oh, so true. true. Oh, and true. the thing that I was, the things that I was working on, unfortunately, um, couldn't continue for various reasons. So I ended up being headhunted by a, a research and development organization. Oh, and by that time, having gone from, I started my career as a, a, a software uh, analyst, programmer, developer, I'd actually successively become more and more client facing and more commercially sort of focused. 
to a point where the company that I joined was a uh, research and development pioneer in blockchain technology. So in this journey that you've taken then, at what point did you end up having to manage people? I've managed people pretty much from my days in financial services, where I was uh, assistant vice president at Credit Suisse. It was round about kind of lower middle management. Joined there in 2005, so 17 years on and off. So in that journey then, at that moment when suddenly you just realised, I'm responsible for these people's work, not just my own. If I could give you a magic wand, what would you have wished that somebody came to tell you about? What was the advice that you had wished you'd had or perhaps that you in turn would give to somebody in that position? Great question. That managing people is a skill. And that just because you are really good at your job, you might be a, a an engineer, you might be a, uh, I don't know, an, an accountant, um, you could be a beautician, doesn't matter what the domain is. Just because you're really good and you have a set of skills doesn't necessarily mean that if you are asked to look after other people that have the same skill set, that, that will automatically translate. And it will be just as good as looking after other people with the same skills as you. You might be better off as somebody who is executing as opposed to somebody who's overseeing, first of all. And secondly, that that oversight has a, a, a unique skill set that I think is vastly underestimated, uh, possibly globally, definitely in all the, the domains I've ever interacted with. Um, and that actually far more, um, I think, focus and uh, investment needs to be made in the, the, the whole sort of management piece of, uh, of an organisation. You just hit on one of the reasons that I do what I do. Yeah. Well done. Um, well, having having been badly managed at different points and badly managed other people, and then have, oh, yeah. having had conversations with maybe two people in my career who for me are like beacons, it's these kind of conversations that have helped me to essentially see the light in many ways. Yeah, I think, I think some... I'm getting too religious of, about it. It's not quite an epiphanical, is that a word? Epiphanical experience, but going through the journey yeah. of being appallingly badly managed by people, either where the, it's active bad management or just passively being ignored. And honestly, I'm not even sure which one I would prefer if I had to. Having that in mind is quite a powerful uh, driver for not doing that to other people. And as you said, badly managing people, oh yeah, been there. I, I, I talk about leaving a trail of destruction behind me. All these poor victims of my early management experiments is like, I'm so sorry. You think yeah. about them. I'm so sorry what I did to you. In the oh past. my gosh! Yeah, oh, right, right. My God, I, mean, I had my, my first. I was thinking about it the other day. Actually, I remember my first meeting. My first meeting as a manager. I had this agenda that was like 18 pages long, and we got to lunchtime, and one of my colleagues, my guy, I was working for me because he's a bit older. He came and said, "You've got to stop. You're killing us. You're killing." So we just abandoned it there and then. Oh, good goodness. idea. Excellent. Excellent story. So managing people is a skill. I think it's possibly one of the biggest, as you said, is the, the biggest 
mistakes I see when I go around and I talk to different people in different companies and you say, oh, but we, pr we promoted the best engineer. We promoted the number one salesperson. We promoted the number one person in this task. And what you end up having is you've lost the number one performer because they're now your manager, they're not performing. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're lucky, they're good. If more likely than not, they're average. If you're unlucky, they're bad. You've got a badly managed team. So you're going to lose your number one performer and you're going to create an exodus from your team who's now badly managed. Right. So the challenge is so difficult to actually try and look, and this is my question, I'm getting there in the end. <laughs> it's, it's so difficult to try and find. How would you go and find the person? What would you ask to the person to find out, are you going to be a good manager? I know you're a good performer because I can see that result. How are you going to find the good manager? So are you asking how I would uh, get a person to self-assess their management capability? Is that is that what you're asking me? Well, you have to promote them. Right. It's your responsibility. You've got a team of however many people. One of them is going to be the new manager of that team. How do you pick? What do you... Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, so to answer that... Um, I'm going to reference something that really struck me that I came across a long time ago, which was a guy did a uh, a bit of research around um, primates to figure out which uh, the, what the characteristics, the traits are of the alpha of the group. And then off the back of that, a whole series of almost, I guess, urban myths were born about what it means to be an alpha male. He revisited that work sometime later, and I think partly because he felt driven to clarify a few things, that the alpha male was not the person who bullied, that shouted, that cajoled, that forced people to do their bidding, and that basically abused their, their power and kept everyone sort of, you know, cowering in a state of terror at any time because they maybe they were quite unpredictable or whatever. Actually, what marked the, the individual out as the alpha male was their high empathy, and their willingness to mediate disputes between other members of the team. Now, funnily enough, just this morning, I was thinking about, okay, well, what happens when my team grows and I'm going to maybe want to put somebody in a, a slightly more, uh, a position of oversight for various reasons. How am I going to do that? I was literally thinking about that this very morning. I didn't have an answer. So what your, your question has actually helped me to answer that. Um, and so it would be along the lines of how do they get the best out of other people or more precisely and specifically, what opportunities have I seen or have they taken to demonstrate empathy? How have they smoothed any disputes? Um, not just that. Do they have a bit of skin in the game? Do they take initiative or do they wait for things to come to them? Because when you're problem solving, they do start to kind of take a little bit of accountability. So that's the, the second thing. Then the third thing that I am looking at is how they manage failure, how they take responsibility for things that go wrong and also what they do when things go well. And this is as much about me and my own management style, actively taking responsibility for failure and then looking for opportunities, hard as it is to actually share the credit. So the credit is never actually yours, but the failure is always all yours. 
So you're looking for someone who can get the best out of other people, someone who can demonstrate accountability, empathy, and understand that it's all their fault and the success is never their fault. There you go. That's it. That's how you go about selecting the right person to promote as a manager. Was there in your career so far, was there a particular event or a mistake yours or somebody else's that you learned a lot from? Yes. Personality types. Um, I have made the mistake of thinking, having said everything I've said, that a more passive personality type is actually more inclined to being managed and that an active, should we say a proactive personality type makes a better manager. Not always the case. It's horses for courses. Um, in terms of my own, the, 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 the thing I guess that was a, a pivotal catalyzing experience for me was by being managed by somebody who I think had a much more kind of laid back style than I personally am um, used to or I am comfortable with, a lot less expressive than I'm uncomfortable with. And so that created a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Um, the respect was difficult to earn on both sides because I often overstepped boundaries, but then also felt that I was being managed in a vacuum of leadership um, at, at, at different times. So I responded in a way that I don't think was particularly effective. So this is me basically being managed. And then somehow, I think that the frustration was channeled into the oversight that, that I then had. And I think I doubled down on my radical transparency um, when I hadn't actually already built the trust. So that was, I guess, if I could distill it down, it would be not having built the trust around me, either managing upwards or downwards. That was the thing that I think was the biggest failure. Candor without trust. Yeah. Mm. And the trust you get from, well, I think the, going upwards, the trust is something you get from delivering. You deliver yes. in your job. And if you do that yeah. consistently, you get the, the, the reins get longer, right? The reins get longer, but then also you manage, you trust your managers not to hang you out to dry, mm -hmm. not to be um, unnecessarily unpredictable, et cetera, et cetera. So that, you know, you know that they've got your back and that they wouldn't. Yeah. That's consistency yeah. as well. Consistency. Consistency. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a huge one. We all want consistency. We just want, I think. To tomorrow to be more or less the same as today, to be more or less the same as yesterday, that you're going to be not necessarily fair and treat everyone the same way because that's not how the world works. And I don't want to be treated the same as you. I want to be treated how I want to be treated. Mm. You know, it's that's like said, kind of goes to that golden rule thing, you know, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Eh, kind of. Treat everybody the yeah. way that they want to be treated. It's kind of yes. Different. That's actually, hard, actually. It's very hard. You've got it. You've got really to hard. I mean, they've got to trust you enough, as you said, there. you've got to build that trust up first before you can get enough of an insight into them to know. So the yeah. lovely con conversation I had fairly recently um, came to the conclusion that you just simply ask. Right. How do you want to be managed? Yeah. And lots of people don't know, but they'll go away and think about it. And this, this, this uh, very smart lady, she then also asked her boss, and she said, rather than asking, she said, this is how I want to be managed. Yes. Oh, it's so simple. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome. That builds you. That short circuits your trust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. Okay. What are you reading? What are you listening to? So Rest is History podcast. Um, oh, I love that but, one. That's yeah, it's very good. Yeah. In Our Time. Uh-huh. Really like that one. Melvin um, Bragg. Yeah, the a bit of Melvin Bragg. Then um, Earth Ancient, um, which is a really eclectic series of people who have very unusual ideas about their origins, about the nature of of reality and all this sort of stuff. I love science fiction. Don't get to read anywhere near enough as I want. And that's one of my things that I'm working on to um, get my reading back on track for the first time in uh, an undisclosed number of years. It's actually quite shocking to me. So I'm, I'm actually too much in shock to even admit it to myself how long it's been since I actually read a book cover to cover, cover to cover, that is. Um, that the when we were on holiday, read two books and it was amazing. So I am very keen to to continue that that trend now that I've I've rediscovered and um get back into all of the science fiction, all the stuff that I've missed over the last sort of five or six years. What would you like to thank young Osmond for doing right? Oh gosh. I'm always thinking about what I've done wrong. Got a question to ask. Uh or to answer, sorry. Um what did I do right that I um and I that I'm thankful for? I would say to begin with somehow staying aligned with my interest in all things scientific and technological um and choosing a career that's consistent with that natural interest and curiosity of mine. Um, I'd like to thank my younger self for all of the the hard work that I put in at the points when it really mattered, actually, um, and being willing to go the extra mile. It wasn't always the case, um, but there were there was a point where I think I had a little bit of a, a again a bit of an epiphany, and I'd also found something that I could really get my teeth into. And that I, yeah, that I, I dived in. I mean, it, well, I'm, I, it wasn't that long ago, so I, I, I'm not sure I'd call myself the younger self for deciding to segue into blockchain. I would definitely thank myself for that, actually. I, I remember distinctly having a conversation with my husband. I stood in our kitchen when we were living in the southwest of England, and I said I want to get into blockchain, and I knew which company I wanted to work for. It was the one I was talking about at the, the, the top of this um, this piece. And I think, yeah, thanking myself for that. And lastly, as we wrap up, how can people find you? I'm on LinkedIn. Um, just uh, search for Osmin Callis. You can also search for the same name on Twitter. Um, our company website is www.blockventures, with an S at the end, dot studio. And I'll put these links in the, the notes to this as well. That'd be great. So people Lovely. can find Osmin. And all that remains for me to do is to say, Osman Callas, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Paul. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework, subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have, because that really helps me to improve every day. And it helps people to discover me online. 
If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy.